Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, Dr. Craig Smith, Professor of Communication Studies at California State University, Long Beach, as we begin our 22nd anniversary year. Closed captioning provided by Scan Health Plan. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach, a leader in international trade and environmental stewardship. And the Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to the first show of our 22nd anniversary season. We're delighted to have as our guest for the entire show our friend Craig Smith, who's a professor of communication studies at California State University, Long Beach. Craig, welcome back to our show. It's good to be back, Art. Craig is a regular guest here, and he, in fact, has a guest column in the newest issue of the Straight Talk magazine. And the title of Craig's column is Eroding the quality of higher education. Let me point out that Craig is not only a professor here for many, many years, he's also a former member of the Board of Trustees of the CSU system. So he has a very qualified vantage point on which to comment. Uh, why do you feel the quality is being eroded? Well, you know, I've taught here at Cal State Long Beach uh, since 1988, and I can see the difference in my students over time. Um, more and more of them have writing problems. Uh, more and more of them need remediation. Um, part of the problem is with the K through 12 system that's not preparing them. Uh, why are we graduating students with uh, A's and B's and then they come into the CSU system and half of them have to take some form of remediation? That problem is a big one because we're then taking teachers away from better students and putting them into remediation classes uh, and we're putting resources into those classes, and those classes are occupied so that we can't teach regular uh, courses there, and that's part of the erosion uh, of higher education. Let me interrupt for a second. We had 88,000 applications last year for 6,000 places. Everyone wants to come to the beach. It's harder to get in here than UCLA. I'm not saying it's a better school, but statistically, it's hard. Everyone wants to come here. Presumably, we've admitted the students with the highest qualifications, except for some geographical preferences. And so the 6,000 we admitted have these problems, and what about the 82,000 that we didn't admit, a fortiori? Well, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult to figure this out. First of all, we have to give a little bit of preferential treatment to those students who are in the Long Beach service area. So they do not meet the same standards. The college promise, you're guaranteed a spot if you're you have certain minimum. You're guaranteed a spot, that's right. So, so those students come in at one level. Then we have the students outside of the area, and they're coming in at a, at a higher level. They're coming in at a UC qualification level according to their, their high school transcripts. But then when they get into the classroom and we start testing them here, they don't pass those tests. And so obviously there's grade inflation at the high school level that's tricking the system. So your comments about K-12 are not directed specifically at the Long Beach Unified System, but at K-12 well over the state. That's correct. And in fact, I think uh, Long Beach Unified is one of the better districts in the country. It's won a number of awards. And so that kind of brings it a little bit more together. But there are lots of stories about students who are getting into the UC system 
with, with straight A's and, and then being put on academic probation. So there's something wrong at that level. How do we fix it? First, harder grading. And then I think the CSU, since I was on the Board of Trustees, the CSU has been working with the state to come up with a way that they are teaching English and math that, that we are measuring. Uh, obviously, if, if we're needing to remediate these students, they're not teaching what we're testing for. And so there needs to be an adjustment in the curriculum. And we've worked with the, the state on that, and we're trying to solve that problem. In your column in our magazine, you refer, and this is now focusing on higher education, uh, to the uh, diminution in standards caused in part by affirmative action. Address that. Well, I think that's another problem. When John Kennedy first announced that he was going to push for affirmative action, he said that what he meant by that was, all things being equal, preference would be given to the underrepresented minority. I think that's a good program. He was assassinated. The Civil Rights Act was passed in his name by Lyndon Johnson. And then over time, it morphed. Affirmative action became, we can, we can uh, add underqualified students to our, 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 our campus uh, in order to promote diversity. And that's a very different thing. And I, I don't think it serves those students well, and it doesn't serve higher education well. And you're particularly concerned with where we're going now with uh, online education. You support uh, supplementing uh, in-class teaching with online education, but you're very concerned with MOOCs, which I had never heard of before, massive open course online courses. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big user of digital enhancement in the classroom. Uh, it's, it's wonderful when I teach a public speaking course that I can call up a speech by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in front of the Lincoln Memorial and play it for the class and talk about it and why it's so good and why it's so important. But going all the way over to mass online open classes is very dangerous. And I can see that some administrators are looking at economies of scale where they're going to say, you know, we're going to pick the best lecturer in America uh, for American history. We'll pay that professor a royalty for each student that sits in on this open online class. Then we'll give the tests locally. We'll have somebody administer the tests. It doesn't cost as much. Uh, and that's the way the class will run. And we'll get to get rid of a whole bunch of professors and save a lot of money. And we'll free up classrooms. The economies of scale are so massive, though, with the continued reduction in state funding for higher education, you almost have a feeling of inevitability that online education is coming, and slowly, or maybe not so slowly, it will replace in-class teaching. It hasn't gone so well. Um, they tried it. There was a nine-university consortium headed by Duke University, very prominent university. They tried it. Uh, they ran the tests. They found out that the attrition rate in the classes, the online classes, was huge. The students weren't doing very well in them, and Duke pulled out of the program. We tried it with San Jose State and Udacity, a for-profit uh, university. Uh, they pulled the plug on it six months out. Uh, so obviously they're moving too fast, and it's not working. Well, we'll stay tuned to see what the future brings. We know in the next segment, uh, Craig and I will be di dialoguing about the local political scene. And then in the last segment, we'll be talking about uh, the federal political situation with particular reference to Syria. Stay with us.
At the Port of Long Beach, we're not only delivering jobs, smart ideas, and forward-thinking environmental initiatives. We're also delivering opportunity for all of Southern California. Oh, and a clearer horizon line. To learn more, go to polb.com, the Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks. Hello, I'm Jessica Hardy, a proud Long Beach native and a member of the USA Swimming national team. Having spent much of my life in water, I've developed a deep appreciation for the valuable role that this precious resource plays in our lives. In recent years, California's water supply has become unreliable. To address this reality, Long Beach residents have dramatically reduced their water use through permanent lifestyle changes. In doing so, Long Beach has made itself a leader in water conservation. As I work hard to achieve my personal goal of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics, I encourage you to continue your tremendous efforts to use water in smart and responsible ways. So join me and your fellow Long Beach residents in strengthening the water conservation movement. By making small but significant changes in our water use habits, together we can ensure that we have a reliable water supply for many generations to come. At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. We are back. I'm going to focus in this segment on the mayoral race here in Long Beach. Mayor Bob Foster decided not to run for third term as a write-in candidate, opening up the field. And here are the announced candidates as of the time of the taping of this show. Uh, Assemblymember Bonnie Lowenthal, Vice Mayor Robert Garcia, Councilmember Jerry Shipsky, Councilmember Suja Lowenthal, Attorney and Long Beach City College Trustee Doug Otto, former NFL football player and real estate developer Damon Dunn, Wilmore City Heritage Association treasurer Janice Shields, and basketball coach Kareem Muhammad. Uh, quite a mixture. Yeah, I think it reflects the diversity of our city. I mean, it's, it's really marvelous. We have Hispanic candidates. We have African-American candidates. Um, we have two gay candidates. We have two candidates who were born in a foreign country, one in Peru, one in India. Um, it's a pretty incredible mix that we have here. And as you say, it reflects the diversity of the city of Long Beach, which yeah. according to the Rand Corporation is the most diverse city in America. Right. And now we're going to have the most diverse mayor's race <laughs> in America. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what would be the strength of each of the candidates, Craig? Well, um, you know, if, if you go down the list, Robert Garcia, um, has an MA in Communication Studies from USC and a BA from us at Long Beach. Uh, he's been on the council. He's worked in administration at Long Beach Community College. Uh, so he brings a lot to the plate and now as the vice mayor he's, he's learning how to run the city. Um, Jerry Shipsky has been on the council. She has uh, an MA and a JD, a law degree, which you would appreciate. Uh, and, and, you know, she's been an activist and has represented the 5th uh, District Council since 2006. 
Uh, Doug Otto raised here in Long Beach, went away to Stanford, got an MA at Columbia, a JD at the University of Chicago, an attorney in civil and criminal law. He's worked with uh, Long Beach City College a lot. Um, Suja Lowenthal, out of the famous Lowenthal family here in Long Beach, uh, you know, went to, got a BA in economics at UCLA, nothing to sneeze at, an MBA at LA State, and a PhD in public policy at USC. A lot of these people are well educated, as you can see. Uh, Damon Dunn, by his own account, uh, was born poor in Texas, became an NFL player, got a BA at Stanford, an MA at Harvard, a motivational speaker. Um, of all of the candidates, he has the most in the bank right now, so that may give him an advantage because this race is going to cost over a million dollars. Jana Shields has been uh, very active in the community. She uh, has uh, a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Arizona, another BA from San Diego State, and then an MA in Linguistics from Long Beach. So she's well-educated too. Kareem Mohammed um, finished night school, then got an associate's degree at Compton Community College. Uh, and he is the only one on the list who actually ran for president of the United States at one point. <laughs> and then, of course, Bonnie Lowenthal is well-known in the city. She was elected to the assembly in 2008 after uh, coming off the city council. And so uh, she's been very active as a, a family counselor and, and active in the, uh, the Long Beach Unified School District. So a, a lot of diversity there. You mentioned uh, uh, that it would take a million dollars to, uh, to, to run a campaign. I assume you mean half a million to get into the runoff and another half million to, to win the runoff. Roughly, uh, yeah, yeah, roughly. Uh, Talk about the difference between retail and wholesale politics. Yeah, in the political consulting world, wholesale politics means that you use media to sell yourself to the voters. Retail politics means you go and shake their hands. You go door to door. Uh, I, this election, which is on an, in an awful date, in, in my opinion, it's April 8th, you know, why not do this on a primary day? Why not do it on a regular election day? But we don't. And so people don't know it's coming. They don't turn out. And so the whole trick to winning this election is turning your voters out. And, and historically, the turnout is rather modest for to say the uh, least. elect the mayor. Yeah, yeah to say the least. It's, it's very small. So you need to go door to door. You need phone banks. You need uh, a lot of personal contact uh, to, win, to win the race. Is it possible to walk the city? We have 400,000, 480,000 people, maybe several hundred thousand are registered. Uh, at best, we get a 50% turnout, which is very high, probably will be less. Here's my advice to the candidates. Find out where the turnout normally is in the mayor's race and walk those districts. You can get a priority listing of precincts, high voter turnout, low voter turnout. Don't waste your time in the low voter turnout precincts. Walk the high voter turnout. If nobody answers the door, leave a little door hanger. Uh, when, when Tom Clark ran for mayor, the, the, the first time we had the, the mayoral election, he would leave a Clark bar <laughs> uh, with people if, if they weren't home. Um, it, it's that kind of diligent work that it's going to take to win this and election. And by council districts, uh, a majority of the voters in these mayoral elections come from the third councilmanic district, fourth, fifth, and eighth. That's correct. And you, your workers will be happy to walk the third because they get to walk along the beach, they get to go into <laughs> Naples. It's a lovely walk while they're doing their job. Talk about the role of money. Uh, this is a, a challenge in every election uh, from presidential on down to council, but uh, the, you mentioned a million, but that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but it takes a lot of money. And the reason is it's, it's going to take some media expenditures to win this. People are going to have to advertise in the Long Beach Press-Telegram. 
they're going to want to advertise and target their advertising on certain radio stations. Suppose you have uh, a Hispanic radio station that's listened to in Long Beach. You want to get your ad on that, and you're going to have to pay for it. If you go to advertise on television, there's no Long Beach television station. You have to advertise on the L.A. stations, and they're very expensive. Craig, there's always straight talk. Well, your rates are great. <laughs> so get to those candidates, all right? Uh, what does the donor expect for his contribution, and what does he get? What the donor can legally expect is access to the candidate once the candidate wins. That, that promise can be made. What the, the, what the candidate cannot promise the donor is influence. Now, in my opinion, that's splitting hairs, but that's the legal definition. If, if you give me money and I say, I will let you quid, influence my decisions, quid pro, quid pro quo, quo, that's a felony. That's a felony. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you say, uh, the, the line gets a little bit slippery, but you need money. The candidates legitimately don't, who don't have their own wealth or don't want to use their own wealth need to ask for money, and that's the way the system works. And there's nothing wrong with giving money to the candidate who believes as you do. No, I, I, I think that's fine. What I would, if I were uh, uh, in your viewing audience and I were assessing candidates, I'd want somebody with a broad base of support. Yes. Uh, a, a large number of small donations would impress me more than a small number of large donations. Well, I think we both can agree that it's important for everyone to get involved in the selection of the next mayor of our city. That's a very important position. And whether you contribute money, contribute your time, certainly vote. Yeah, yeah. I, I teach in my ethics course, Levine's Law, if you don't vote, you legally, you morally lose the right to complain. And we all like to bitch and moan. So the very least you can do is vote and make your voice heard. But you can go a step beyond that and support the candidate of your choice. You can volunteer for the candidate. You can put up a lawn sign. You can walk the streets for the candidate. There's lots you can do in, in, in this race. Fair enough. Okay, in our next segment, we'll turn to the federal level and foreign policy. We'll be right back. How do you like your chances the rest of the way? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah. But if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee, freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember. Polly's, 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Bellflower, Long Beach. Take you somewhere Where nobody else 
With Charter, TV will never be the same. Now you can make a date with your favorite movies and shows anywhere and anytime with on-the-go content from Charter. We're back with our guest, Craig Smith, focusing now, Craig, on foreign policy and what I like to call the president's dilemma on Syria. I mean, this is a very important decision that we as a country are facing. And yet the president has drawn a red line in the sand on use of chemical weapons, which Syria apparently has crossed. And yet the president's base is not supportive of intervention. Well, I think the reason they're not supportive is because we've drawn this that red line before, and, and when it's been crossed, we've gone in. But instead of simply uh, doing an airstrike uh, in Iraq, because they had used chemical weapons against Iran, because they had exercised genocide, uh, Saddam Hussein had, against the Kurds, we had reason to go in. They added, of course, weapons of mass destruction, which he said he had. It turned out he didn't. And then we got bogged down in a war in Iraq. And I think uh, the, the country's a little weary of war with the Afghanistani thing still going on, the Iraqi thing going on. If he goes into Syria, is he going to put boots on the ground or is he just going to strike? The resolution, it's going to be strike only. And the supporters of uh, intervention are a strange political mix. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, John McCain's in favor, uh, Lindsey Graham's in favor, John Boehner's in favor. Those are all Republicans joining the, Repu uh, the, the president and moderates on his side. It's the extreme left. The Democratic left is not supportive They're of They're not it. supportive of, of war, generally. And Obama, Obama himself in Iraq voted against it. He voted against it when he was in the Senate. That's right. And then you have a libertarian kind of uh, pacifist strain led by Rand, Rand Paul out of Kentucky, senator out of Kentucky, conservative Republican. Uh, some of the Tea Party people aren't supportive. And I think they're, you know, people who aren't supportive who just want to embarrass the president. So it's a mix. And recently it looked like we were going in alone and then the president pulled back and he wanted to get congressional approval. We, yes. Uh, when England was at our side, it looked like we were going to go forward. And then uh, Prime Minister Cameron decided he'd better check this with Parliament. When he did, he lost by 15 votes. And that was a crushing defeat for him uh, and, and uh, his policy. And so we were left standing alone. And that's not a very good way to, to do these so interventions. With, without United Nations support and without a key ally like Great Britain, the president wanted the comfort of having Congress sign off on that's it. That's correct. Now, what happens if Congress does not sign off? Uh, the president, uh, arguably, under the Constitution, has inherent powers to go in because of his commander-in-chief role and chief executive to defend and secure the United States. So arguably, he still has the power to do it, but politically, that's risky. It's very risky, and he's also under the limits of the War Powers Act, which says he has to notify Congress within 48 hours of any action he takes. Then he has 60 days, uh, and at the end of the 60 days, he has to get congressional approval, or he has to pull out over 30 days. Now, presidents generally have not recognized the War Powers Act. Remember, Nixon vetoed it, and then the Congress, during the Vietnam War, passed it over his veto. They overrode the veto. But many presidents have taken the position that the War Powers Act is unconstitutional as an infringement on executive power. Absolutely right. Reagan violated it in Nicaragua. Clinton violated it in Kosovo. Uh, Obama violated it in Libya, frankly. He didn't, didn't uh, meet the specifications of the War Powers Act when we, when we bombed Libya. 
And there's another element here. Uh, Iran is watching, oh. and our credibility is very much on the line as we, and we, this is another red line that the country has, and the president has put down, that we will not allow uh, Iran to go uh, to create an, a nuclear weapon. Right, and Iran is a big uh, ally of Syria and, and has been supplying Assad with weapons. And so this, this is a very serious problem. When you attack Syria, how does Iran retaliate? And, and it comes in an unfortunate moment because Iran just elected a fairly moderate new leader uh, as their president. And we'd like to give that leader time to see if uh, a peaceful solution can be right, achieved. Right. Well, that's why the president gets paid the big bucks, I guess. That, that, that's why. <laughs> and you got Russia operating uh, in all of this. We had hoped that Russia would come in, put pressure on Iran, put pressure on Syria to do the right thing, but they aren't. And now we're more alienated from the Russians than we have been in years and years. There seems to be a real chill in Sino-American relations, which is not good. Not good. And Putin and Obama obviously don't get along very well at all, personally. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it remains to be seen how this plays out, and by the time the show airs, uh, Congress will have voted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's your best instinct as to what will happen? Um, I think that the, the president will carry the Senate. It's a very close bet in the House. By the time people watch this program, they'll know the result. Uh, there's going to be a lot of arm twisting in the House of Representatives to get this through. It's going to be tough. It's a very important decision, and there are not easy answers. No. Okay, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages. Bill Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Phil is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. I want to improve my career opportunities. I want to earn a higher salary at my job. I'd like to finish what I started. The new Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts degree completion program at Cal State Long Beach will help you achieve your educational goals while keeping your life in balance. Contact our customer service center at 1-800-963-2250 for more information or visit us on the web. Let CSULB help you finish what you started. those who are closest to you, from our family to yours. McCarty's Jewelry, since 1932. This is the first show of our 22nd season. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, our viewers, and our guests for making it all possible. And certainly, Craig, you've been one of our regular go-to people. We thank you so much for your continued contributions to Straight Talk. My pleasure, Art. And please be sure to join us next week for the next edition of our show. Uh, District Attorney Jackie Lacey will be our guest. Thank you and good night. Straight Talk has been brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach and the Press-Telegram. And remember, 
Straight Talk is viewable 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.